Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. So, I believe Pastor had preached on wives and husbands, and I'm thankful that he did that for me. Um, But now we're going to be talking about Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. What are we going to be talking about? What is this concern? Well, before we get there, I want to ask this question. What is the mission of the believer? What is our mission as a church body? What is your mission as a follower of Christ? I ask that question to you this morning. What is your mission? Well, we all know that it's to glorify God. But we all might do it differently. Why? Because some people might have a family Some people might work here. Another person might work there. One believer lives on this part of the world. We live on this part of the world. We all live and have different circumstances to our life. But our sole purpose is to glorify God. But the way we do it can look differently. For instance, for the person that works as an electrician, the way they glorify God on the job may look different than someone working in the school system. Or for instance, someone... Uh, a pilot flying in the air the majority of their day. Their day looks different in glorifying God and sharing the gospel than someone on the mission field in the fields of some country. It all looks different, but it's the same purpose of glorifying God in every capacity. So we're diving into Ephesians, and we've been in this book, and we're close to ending it. But in this particular section, what is Paul saying? Well, remember that Paul is reminding believers. The book starts off with Paul reminding believers. So we know in this section he's talking to believers of who they are in Christ and how they are to conduct themselves as a result of their new lives through the Son of God. Also, that unity should pour out of them. That godly conduct should be amongst them as saints in parent and child relationships, in marriage context even in the workplace between employers and employees. The gospel changes people and is applicable everywhere, no matter the circumstance. Every area of our life is a mission field for the life of a Christian. And today we see that in the workplace, as we're about to read, that is also our mission field. So let's go ahead and read the scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. The word says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart. Just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is a slave or or free. And masters, treat your slaves with the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father God, I ask you to just help me preach this message with clarity. Lord, may you speak through me and let it make sense to our hearts and our minds that we may make it practical in our everyday lives, Lord God. We thank you for your word. Amen. This is an instruction to life. 
And we're about to dive into a portion of God's word that is very much practical to just about everyone that has ever lived. All right, because the word definitely speaks about working. So in Genesis chapter 1, God works and then rests, right? Chapter 2, Adam works in the garden before Eve arrives. So women don't have to work. Just kidding. Everyone's like, what, what, what? But work is, is in the word of God. Jesus comes into the world, lives a lowly life, gives of himself. But in the meantime, before his ministry, he was a carpenter. He worked. So in this time, in the context of the book of Ephesians, for the sake of the, the words used here, slavery was common. It was common. And it could be said that about, there was about 60 million slaves in the entire Roman Empire. There's, it's one way that they got to the, to the um, stature that, that it was, the Roman Empire. But there was about 60 million slaves in that time. But I want to encourage you that although we can connect points of slavery from what we know in history to what we read in Scripture, I want you to do the reverse Take scripture and what it says about slavery and what it says about working and use that as a lens to interpret and see what we experience today and what we've experienced in history. Oftentimes, even myself, we're so quick to go, I mean, I've experienced this in today's world. What does, um, how can I view that and see that as a lens to read those scriptures? It has to be reversed. So we read the scriptures so we can understand and live for God today. So the sermon idea is this. If you forget anything from today, just don't forget this. When you, as a Christian, allow the truth of the gospel to transform the way you conduct yourself in the workplace and the way you treat others, then your work becomes worship. When you allow the gospel to permeate every part of your life, including the workplace, it is then that your work becomes worship. And I'll be the first to say there, there has been experiences in my life where I had a really mundane job. And I'm sure some of you can think back like, oh, my first job, my second job. Or maybe, let's be real, maybe the job you have now. But when we allow the gospel to transform our hearts in conduct, but also transform us even in the workplace, our work becomes worship. Because oftentimes we see worship as just when, when people are singing. That's part of it. That is worship. But worship is everything. The way we live. All that we do. So as we dive in, as a point of reference, I want to share with you Matthew 22, verses 34 through 39. Once more. We read this earlier, but let's read it again. As a point of reference to kind of lead us into today's sermon. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. So that has set the premise. We're talking about everything. Everything is to be part of what we do for the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's everything. That's every fiber in our being. So let's turn to the word here. Verses 5 and 6 say this. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect 
and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Verse 6, obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes are on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. So we, we see one word. And if you have a pen and if you like to write in your Bible, go ahead and just circle obey. Obey is a big word. But from obey, I'm going to lead you into five different um, focal points when it comes to obey. Obey is kind of broad, but how can we obey the Lord? Or how can we obey our earthly masters? All right, so the first is this. Obey, period. We're going to start there. We're just going to say obey. But what typically comes with obedience, not disobedience? And I want to ask you today, in any past experience that you've had in your life, when you disobeyed, someone's like, I've never disobeyed. But those of you that have, think back to that time, or maybe in general, did you disobey with a sincere heart? And did you disobey with the purity of heart? Probably not. At any point in time that we've disobeyed the Lord or we've disobeyed um, direct orders from, say, our employer, we don't do it with the sincerity of heart saying, I've really prayed about this decision and I'm going to walk away. I'm not talking about the situations where they tell you to, to go against your faith. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just the everyday work request. You have a... a a list of things you have to do, you know what your work is, you know what your responsibility is. In the times that we've disobeyed, we can't possibly do that with a pure heart. So disobedience does one thing. It hinders our testimony. Why? Because we bear the name of Christ. And, and Christian, I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it. If those of you if, if those that you work with don't know you're a Christian, then something's wrong. If those that work alongside of you don't know that you're a Christian, something's wrong. Because living out the gospel isn't supposed to be in secret, something that you can just keep close to you and say, oh, well, I'm just a good person. And when someone says, you know, you, you have good work ethic, my mama taught me. It's more than that. It's because God's spirit lives inside of you, and you know that you want to give the best in your workplace. But disobedience hinders our testimony. Say, for instance, you're, uh, you or I are acting up on the job. Not that I would up here, but <laughs> we bear the name of Christ, and there are always people watching, right? That sounds kind of creepy. It's not Big Brother on cameras watching us in every corner, but it, people are always watching, even if they say they don't care about your faith, even if they say they don't care about what you have to stand for, even if you live in complete disagreement with what they stand for. Just know that people are always watching how you live out your faith, all right? So those of you that might not have stepped out and said, you know, hey, I just want to gather everyone here at this workplace and say, I'm a believer. Okay, thank you. All right, I'm not telling you to go say that, but let your testimony live out through the way that you work. But when the opportunity arises, which it will, and someone will ask you, hey, you know, Miss Deborah, you work just, you work really, really hard. What's going on? Like, why do you do what you do so well? Justin, you work hard. Why do you do what you do so well? Well, that's an opportunity for any of us to say, hey, the Spirit of God lives in me, and I want to work as if I'm working for God. And I know that although I might not receive reward today, I know the Lord sees me and is pleased with me. It's not arrogant to say, I know God's proud of me. 
because that, that means that you know you're doing things right. That's not wrong. So the first is that we are to obey. So what we're talking about here is honesty in our work. Secondly, we are to obey with commitment. So slaves, obey earthly masters, we spoke of that, with respect and fear. Obey with commitment. So people will notice how you work, and they will ask you what's going on. And I'll give you the opportunity to share. But when it says respect, or excuse me, obey with earthly masters with respect and fear, oftentimes in translations that you might have in front of you, it says fear and trembling. And that can be replaced with, or what does it mean to obey with fear and trembling? It means to have an anxiousness, an eagerness to do your duty. So fear and trembling doesn't fear and trembling doesn't mean that you're on the work and you're literally trembling and you're like I'm scared to do my job. No, it has nothing to do with that. Although I interpret it as that when I was a child. Fear and trembling before God, you can't move. It's not like that. Fear and trembling is your heart is in a in a position that you're so anxious to do your duty as best as you can. And you have this eagerness to go I don't care what's going to get in my way. I'm going to do this to the best of my ability because I do it for God. So an example I want to share with you is um, I had this job. In the, well, I still work with them every time. Time again, Angela's worked for this company, but um, it's a catering company, and we love it. I love it, and um, it used to be my, my ride or die. Like when I was a college student, this was, my, this was what held me together. This is what gave me the pennies to get by as a college student. And I would often work like a crazy man on weekends just for the sake of not letting my boss down because I knew that the position that he had given me was as a server, but I knew he entrusted a lot in me. So I knew that because he gave me such responsibility, I had such eagerness to make him proud. And he didn't have to tell me. No news is good news. So if I got the job done and he didn't come talk to me, I knew that was a good thing. All right, but if I got the job done and he came to talk to me, hey, Jacob, I'm like, oh, no. But my heart, what it was, was that he trusted me, so I gave my all. And I enjoyed this job. It, it was uh, strenuous at times, but I enjoyed it. And that can be our heart today. No matter where you find yourself, no matter your context, where you work, whether it's from home. I know a lot of individuals work from home now. Whether it's flexible, whether you choose your own hours, or whether you're just working nine to five, it doesn't matter that you can do such a job that you're eager to do it right, and you're eager to perform at the best of your ability for the glory of God. We don't do it for the glory of our masters. I mean, we make them proud, that's good, but we do it for the glory of God. Or thirdly, it says obey with sincerity of heart. What does that mean? Obey with good motives, all right? Some of us might find ourselves every now and then to obey just to, to receive accolades, obey just to receive a, a praise in front of the company, uh, obey just to receive something in return. Although that's somewhat necessary, you're rewarded for your good work, we're asked here to obey with good motives. The average person knows when you're doing something out of ill intent, all right? So if we're all here today and we're doing something out of ill intent, you don't have to go through some spiritual experience 
you know, clouds moving in the sky, you fall on your back, and you're just like, I did something out of wrong motives. No, like we know quickly in our heart when we do something, I didn't do that with the sincerity of heart. I didn't do that with good motives. I didn't do that out of good intention. We know. So we're not, we're not arrogant. We're, I mean, excuse me. We're not ignorant to the fact that the Spirit of God oftentimes brings to our attention, hey, what you did there wasn't right. Hey, the way you conducted yourself in the workplace wasn't right. What you said to those guys wasn't right. What you said to those ladies wasn't encouraging. It wasn't giving off a good witness as you bear the name of Christ. So it says, obey with good motives, obey with sincerity of heart. How do we know when we're not sincere? The Spirit of God tells us. The Spirit of God speaks to us. And then it says this, just as you would obey Christ. Let's read it all together. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Just as you would obey Christ. That's a big deal. And some of you are thinking, mm-mm, not going to happen. You don't know where I work. Mm-mm. I can't say their name. They're in the building. Mm-mm. But I want to encourage you that if you're focused on the fact of obeying and you don't want to get over the fact that you don't really like your boss, I mean, we could talk about this. We're in a safe place here, okay? That you might be focusing on the wrong thing. Because although you work on earth for this boss or this master, as mentioned here, you still work for the Lord. And that's the ultimate master that you have. And we're going to talk about it later on, but the master that you have in heaven is the same master that your boss has in heaven. All right? And maybe some of you are um, overseeing other employees. Or maybe some of you have in the past or will in the future. But this is good to learn. That as you work under an employer, that you can obey them as you would Christ. But let me be honest with you. Some of us can't obey others because we just don't obey Christ. Obeying our earthly masters, our earthly bosses, employers, might help us to better obey Christ, but I think that's the wrong way. That's the wrong formula. I think we learn to obey God first, and that helps us to obey our earthly masters second. And we all know that there's, there are consequences for our actions. Um, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus. But I've been in work situations where someone was doing something very beneficial to the company. I want to be just like them on my right. And then I look to my left and I see someone else doing the complete opposite. And it might be that people just have their motives, their sincerity of heart kind of mixed up. They don't know God, so they don't know how to work in their workplace. And then next, they don't know how to work with integrity. So it says this in verse 6. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. So we can obey with integrity to win the favor when their eye is on you, but also to work hard while they're not watching. All right? So this is very, very practical this morning. Obey with integrity. And you might say, well, I've been out of work, I've retired, 
um, I'm not working at the moment. That's fine. But no matter what you do with your life, we are to work unto the Lord. It's not always working for a paycheck. Are you working to raise your children? Are you working to be a better person uh, for your family, whether it's a um, husband or a wife? Are you working to be a better um, son or daughter to your parents? Are you working for something? Working to the Lord. And although maybe you're in a situation where you're not literally working at a specific place from this time to that time, earning a paycheck, that's okay. Why? Because this is applicable to the rest of our lives. Obey in general with integrity to win the favor of their eye while it's on you. But we can say obey with integrity to win the favor of God while his eye is on us. Even when no one is watching, God's watching. All right, I I used to be told, uh, my parents used to tell me that all the time when I was a child. God's watching. I'm like, he's going to pop in through one of these windows in a second. I didn't understand the nature of who God was at the time, but God is always watching us. All right, God is always watching. And I want to share an example with the same workplace um, that I believe God gave me favor in this workplace, in this uh, catering company. That I started in 2014 with this company and I, I enjoyed it. And it all started because Angela and I were hanging out in her parents' kitchen. And Raphael, her, her dad, came in and said, Hey, I work for a company a few, for a few months. They need help. They need servers to come and help. And you guys are college students sitting on your butt. Do you, do you want a job? And I was like, absolutely. So that day, or I think the following Saturday, we got ready. We wore all black. We're looking sharp. We arrive on the scene, and it's hectic. There's so much to do. We were um, doing a banquet for a wedding. We were part of just taking care of all the food for a wedding. There's a lot to go on. And at that one event, there might have been 150, 200 guests. So it's a lot. And that's where it all started. But since that year in 2014, since that time in 2014, I've continued, continuously worked with them year after year after year. And there's been moments where I've thought back and said, Lord, you've really given me favor in the eyes of my boss. And one easy way I knew that was through this story I want to share with you that I went to deliver, I was delivery driver, I was warehouse manager for them, I was a banquet server, a leader. I loved what I, what I do, and I still today, if I were to go back to a server job, I would love that because I just love serving. I love doing that. But this particular day, I was delivery driving um, an order to a bio company, a bio lab, right? And it was this big place in the middle, uh, outskirts of Salem, Virginia, here in the state. So, I deliver this food, I set it up, I'm going in there, I'm doing what I got to do, I'm acting extremely nice, and one, because I like what I do, but two, because I want to represent the company well, so I know I'm going to do it well, right, I had this eagerness, I had this um, anxiousness to do my job well. I left the food, I spoke to the point of contact, I said, here's your food, let me know what you need, please feel free to, to call me back in if you have any questions, if you need help, something goes wrong, let me know, I'm your main man. Spoke to them for a few minutes, I left everything, it was all disposable at the time, so they could just eat it, throw it away. I left before they even started. I get back to the kitchen, and my boss is right there inside the door. And before I had left the bio lab, they gave me an envelope to pay for the service, right? I hand that over, and I'm just like, 
um, getting my apron off, changing out of my nice shirt to put on my, my sous chef. I was a sous chef at the time. And I put on my, my little jacket, getting ready to jump back into action in the kitchen. And he calls me over, and he had already opened the envelope. And he writes on a piece of paper, T-I-P. Yes. I was like, you have my attention. But he was telling me very discreetly while everyone else was working. And he writes, $180. And as a college student, remember, we were sitting on our butt broke at the time. This is years later. And for me as a college student, I'm going to tell you what. That was the heavens came down and touched my heart with $180. That's what I needed to get by. I was a struggling college student. That's, that meant a lot to me. But I share that story. Why? Because he didn't have to do that. What that was, that wasn't given to me by the, by the bio lab. That wasn't, give this tip to Jacob, please. That was leftover. No one, no one handed me a few, few dollars. And it's not all about the money, but I'm trying to get to the point here. That I believed I had found favor in the eyes of my boss because although that was left over, he knew I had done a good job. He trusted me, and I got the job done. So in return, I'm over here just making sure I don't crash the vehicle, okay? I get back home. I get back to the kitchen, and he hands me this tip. And I'm silent, silently rejoicing because there's other workers. They have music blaring, and they're chopping up, and they're getting things ready. And I'm over there, and I see that number, and I just my eyes get wide, and I walk in the back corner. I'm just like, thank you, God. Thank you, God, Right? But that was a small token. It's a mild example just to show that I felt like I had favor before my boss for that small gift of kindness. My father oftentimes shared these words. When people would thank him after um, a hard day, and just to remind a few that maybe, have not, uh, maybe didn't meet him when he was here for the orientation, he was a, a dentist in the Air Force for about 22 years. And he was oftentimes overseeing clinics on the military bases all around where he was stationed. And there was many times where he found himself in the, in the uh, spot of a commander overall, overseeing all the dentists. And people would come up to him after a hard day and say, thank you for your help. Thank you for your mentorship. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. I think it, I was a little scared about today's operation, but I think it went well. And he would say this. In return, as long as I am here, the ship will not sink. And that really spoke to me because he had eagerness to do his job well. It's not arrogance. I said eagerness, right? He didn't have arrogance, but he had a commitment to give his best while working. And others recognized that and said, hey, thank you for your help. I, I, I wasn't expecting that to go well, but you did awesome. And he would always encourage them and said, as long as I'm here, we're not going to sink. We're going to do this to the best of our ability. My father knew that he was working for the Lord. Colossians 3.23 says this. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. Oftentimes during the week, maybe you find yourself in a position thinking, this job. Or maybe you find yourself thinking, if only, and you have your own, insert your own ideas. If only this job was this. If only I made this much. If only this, if only that. And it's okay that you think that, but don't continue. Don't stay there. Why? Because it says in, in God's word, whatever you do, work as for the Lord, not for men. This is a lot easier said than done. 
Praise God, it is. I understand. But when we tap into allowing the gospel to transform us within us so that we take the gospel into the workplace, work doesn't become mundane anymore. Work doesn't become mundane anymore. Why? Because we realize that every encounter that we have with a person, that's an opportunity, sure, to, to make their day, to give them good service, to love them, to communicate well, to lead well. But it's even more than that. It's an opportunity for you to express the gospel. Allow it to pour out of you so others ask, hey, there's something different about you. What's going on? You're a little weird. And you can say, praise God. Why? I'm a believer. I'm a Christ follower. And the reason I treat you so nicely and the reason, the reason I treat you with dignity and I respect you even though you disagree in every other aspect with me is because I love Christ and because he lives in me. We have the opportunity we have the opportunity to allow the Lord to work in the midst of our workplace. Let's talk about the faithfulness in our work. Verses 9, or excuse me, 7 and 9. Let's read those two verses. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever he does, whether he is a slave or free. Serve wholeheartedly. That's giving your all. When you really care about something and when you really are passionate about something, we don't go like, oh, yeah, I like that. Or when you have a hobby, I know some, some guys in here like to fish. You are wholeheartedly going to go fish when, you, when you're out there, right? Or you like to sail, right? You like to sail. When, you, when you're out there, you're in your best place and you love it passionately. Well, whether it's something leisure or something that you work for, you know what we can do? We can give it our all with eagerness. And maybe there needs to be a renewal in your spirit. There had to be a renewal in my spirit when I worked a few jobs in the past. I, I needed to renew my mind to understand I need to program myself to work for the Lord, for something greater. Because if I program myself to work for this earth, it doesn't really seem beneficial. You might see some progress you might see some uh, reward returned to you, but how much better is the reward when we work for the Lord? The reward isn't always money. The reward isn't always materialistic things. The reward is satisfaction in our soul. Our soul is typically the, the part of our life that is up and down. It's irregular. One day we want this, one day we want that. But when we do things unto the Lord, satisfaction can come in a plethora of ways, but especially within the soul. You will find rest when you work for the Lord, not for man. Verse 8 says this, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Reward can come in different ways. But which reward truly matters? One from the Lord or one from our boss? In, in, the, in the temporal, the one from boss, instant gratification. I got a bonus. Okay. I don't know why I looked at my watch. Like, but I got a bonus, right? And you might be happy about that. You might be excited about that, and it might relieve some, some uh, bills you have coming up. But what reward is that compared to eternity? All right? Rejoice in the favor you win before your boss, but rejoice all the more the favor you have with God. And then we get to this next part. Masters do the same. 
Maybe you oversee some people. Maybe you know others that need to hear this message and tell them, hey, care for your employees a little better. You know, just don't tell them my name. Just don't tell them my name. But here it says in verse 9, And masters, treat your slaves in the same way, in the same way, with integrity, with sincerity of heart, with good motives, with wholeheartedness. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So you can imagine Paul speaking here, and he's speaking to a group of just, according to this, or uh, he wrote this letter, and when they're reading it in this church in Ephesus, the Ephesians are gathered around, and there's some that are married, there's some that are children, and their parents are sitting right next to them going, pay attention, he's reading the word. And there's others that are just part of the church community. There's others that are believers for years or or months and those that just encountered Christ. But he's sharing this message and maybe someone's reading it to them. And in the midst of that group that was hearing the message being read, there were masters and slaves. That's why he's sharing this with them. That the gospel that he's talking about permeates all areas of people's lives. So he was trying to address everybody. Parents over here. Children, obey your parents. Parents, just don't exasperate them. Don't get on their nerves too much. And then masters and slaves, employers and employees. He's talking to everybody. But the masters, the employers are supposed to respect, fear, and win the favor of those that work for them in the public eye when everyone else is watching, but also in private. But I'm really encouraged by this, okay? So no matter where you find yourself, that there is no favoritism with God. There is no favoritism with God. He wants the person that lives a high life, making all the money, making all, having all the accolades to glorify God as they're working hard. But he even wants someone that might find themselves in a lowly position, according to earthly standards, to give all the more and work for the Lord as well. So God doesn't show favoritism wherever you find yourself. God wants to be part of your workplace wherever you find yourself. So the sermon idea one more time is this. When you as a Christian allow the truth of the gospel to transform the way you conduct yourself in the workplace and the way you treat others, then your work becomes worship. What do you do during the week? Allow that to become worship. Worship is more than singing. Worship can can be you thinking just by yourself, writing in a journal, words of worship to God. Worship can be you praying with others or by yourself. Worship can be you reading God's word. Worship can even be you at the workplace working to obey your earthly masters with good motives, integrity, wholeheartedness, as you would obey Christ. Because what you're doing there is pleasing to the Lord's sight. Amen? Romans 12.1, as I close, says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not on, it doesn't say Sunday morning. It doesn't say Wednesday night. It doesn't say that. It says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. We're not only supposed to be holy when we walk into this church, 
But we're supposed to be holy when we're in the workplace, when we're with our families, when we're traveling. Whatever you do, apply it to your context. It says here that we're supposed to be holy and pleasing before the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, let it, the change that you're doing in our hearts, Lord God, let it permeate into the workplace. Wherever we go during the week, Lord Jesus, allow it to be part of our everyday lives. That we can take the gospel, we can take salvation, we can take your grace, your mercy, your goodness with us wherever we go. Your spirit lives within us, Lord. And wherever we go, Lord, you are with us. And Lord, becoming, uh, being a believer does not begin and end a certain part of the week. But Lord, you've asked us to live a life that is holy and pleasing to you. To offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. We thank you for this reminder today. Lord, we praise you this morning. And for those that have uh, not given their life to Jesus, and you might say, well, how does this even connect to workplace? How does this even connect to my life? This is applicable to every part of our lives, that the Lord has asked us to be holy and pleasing in his sight, to live with integrity, to live with wholeheartedness, to serve and to work hard unto the Lord. And maybe you find yourself here this morning and you're saying, I might have not been doing a good job of that thus far. Or maybe you find yourself here this morning and you think, I don't think I've ever seen work as worship. Well, this is the time that you can get it right with God and allow the life that you live on Sundays and Wednesdays at church to be part of every area of your life, which is the gospel. And if you have not accepted Jesus into your heart, pray with me. Dear Lord, I realize that according to your word that you've expected us to live a life holy and pleasing to you. And Lord, I admit that I'm not doing that or I don't always do that. So Lord, I ask you to forgive me of the way that I've been living in a displeasing way before you, God. Specifically with sin. And God, I realize that you've called me for something so much greater. And I thank you for allowing your son to die on the cross for my sins. And that you allowed him to raise from the dead to give us new life. Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me. Redeem me. And lead me in righteousness in every area of my life, but also in the workplace. Amen.